Hello, and welcome back to Unmasked. At least, I hope that it's welcome back, because that means that you haven't missed any of our previous amazing guests. Otherwise, my name is Alex, and it's a pleasure to meet you. I am your host. If you haven't already, please, please, please go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, X, still trying to get used to that one, and uh, YouTube under Unmasked with Alex. The support really honestly does mean the absolute world to me, and it helps with the growth of what we do here and helps with making it a bigger and better show for you guys. Today, I am sitting here with a little bit of a newer niche for sure. I have yet to ever sit down with an influencer whose primary career lies on social media and has built a full career out of it. Aisha Beasley is a travel and experience expert, massing a ginormous audience on Instagram and TikTok, teaching us all that Arizona has to offer, among many other places as well. So, join me today as we unmask the one and only Aisha Beasley. I've been. I've been. I've been unmasked. 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 So. I definitely want to start with trying to introduce you because I personally don't actually know you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really know a whole lot about you. I yeah. found you on Instagram yeah. and your profile seems very interesting. You seem extremely adventurous and yeah, like absolutely. you do all that. So yeah. I, I don't like introducing the guests. I like okay. to kind of hear how you would like to introduce yourself. So okay. whatever accolades, whatever you want the audience to know about you specifically, I want to hear how you would introduce yourself. Okay, sounds good. All right, do I just go yeah, at it? Yeah, okay, go for it. Okay, yeah. all right. Okay, what's up, guys? My name is Aisha Beasley, and I am an Arizona content creator, and a lot of people know me as Arizona Places. Um, that's typically my little tagline in a lot of my videos, and that's how people have discovered me. I've actually been doing content creation for over 10 years. I started really? on Tumblr, yeah. Tumblr? <laughs> yeah, okay. so I've been in the game for quite some time, and now I'm a full-time content creator. I left my 9 to 5 at the beginning of the year. Really? Yeah. What was your 9 to 5? Um, I was a visual merchandiser. What does that entail? So it's dressing mannequins, store setup, all of that, all the like the fun stuff, the window displays. I actually used to work at the H&M right here at Fashion Square. Really? <laughs> like right across, like right here. Oh, yeah, no way. yeah, but I bounced around a couple of other H&Ms in Arizona, um, but yeah, I was at this one for quite some time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> Hi guys, we're going to take a quick pause from the interview so that I could just first of all say thank you so much for all the support and love that you give this podcast. This is a brand new avenue and brand new thing for me so I am continuously learning and continuing to learn every single new episode that I record and so with that I appreciate your patience and sticking around as I go through this learning curve as there is no external help, no coach, there's nothing that's teaching me other than myself on how to make this the best possible podcast possible. <laughs> so I appreciate each and every one of you guys, all the support and love and continuing to show that support and love. And the best way you can is to just tune in every week, hit the follow button and share with your friends. It means the world to me and I promise to continue 
to give you guys the best quality podcast I possibly can and to continue to make this the best show I can. So with that, we'll continue this journey. Thank you so much. Obviously, I know that this whole thing with quote-unquote influencer or content yeah. creator stuff, that's a, that's a completely new field. Absolutely. This kind of thing didn't exist a decade ago or even like five years ago. No. Was this something that was still a profitable thing when you first started like with Tumblr and stuff or... No, I mean, for me, it was just kind of like a fun little thing. I liked kind of creating like my like little blog profile and, yeah. you know, just doing all that like fun stuff. It was just a creative outlet. Um, so I kind of did that for a while, stopped for a little bit and then created my Instagram in 2017. So I had my personal account and then I created my Instagram and I just started posting like fashion. Hmm. And at the time I was still living in Tucson. I'm born and raised from Tucson. So okay. I'm from Arizona. Um, and yeah, I was just kind of just sharing my life and I kind of grew a little bit of a micro following from that. And um I just remember back in like 2018, I probably had like 10K followers at the time. And I was getting DMs from brands like, hey, like we'd love to send you something. And I'm really? like, sure. Like I was like so excited. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm down. Like I remember getting like just like a, some clothes, like little like travel bags, like just random stuff. Yeah. But at the time I was so excited. But I didn't know it was something that you can monetize because at the time, like, in the late 2010s, like the YouTubers were like the big yeah. ones. Like, you know, people like there was that emergence of like influencers and creators from right. YouTube, especially in like the beauty space at that time. That was like the height of the beauty, beauty influencers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, I just didn't know as someone who was like an doing Instagram yeah. or someone who had a following like me could actually make money. It was just like a fun little hobby to be like, okay, like I'm just doing this, having fun. But yeah, I didn't know that was, that was possible. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know it was even possible either until within the last few years. Absolutely. So what do you think has attributed to such a following? Because obviously it's, I, I don't know if you have a YouTube channel or yeah. how big your YouTube channel might be. Yeah. Um, I know that the, the last kind of stuff that you've been posting is a little bit more about experiences and mm -hmm. things to do in Arizona. And mm -hmm. obviously you said that you're, it, it sounds like at least like your channel is kind of geared towards that. So I know you said you're posting at first about fashion. So what was that transition from fashion to experiences? So I moved to Phoenix in 2019 and this was, you know, obviously before COVID and yeah. I was new to the area. So I just was kind of taking my phone out like I'd bring my like camera and I was just trying to like document cool spots I found that were like Instagrammable for like mm. like to like for like cute outfits and like yeah. all of that. So that was kind of what I was doing. COVID hit and, you know, Obviously, a lot of people, you know, weren't working. I was furloughed from my job for like three months. So from like March to about mid-June, I wasn't mm. working because like the malls were closed here. So I started posting on TikTok <laughs> like everybody else at the time, just like dabbling into video content because it was just for me strictly like photo content, you know, which was yeah. like that traditional OG Instagram influencer. It was just like the aesthetic photos, like 
the hashtag goals, you know, you would see all like the cool travel photos, travel couples. Like I feel like at that time that was very popular for people to be posting. And so I just remember it was, I don't know if you've ever been to Tucson, but there's this like Mm -hmm. cool diner called Little Anthony's. Um, It's like this cool retro 50s diner. I had clips from 2019 of me like kind of posing outside of it and then some clips of like inside the restaurant. I mashed those together real quick, put it on TikTok. It went viral. I was gaining thousands of followers like within like that first day of the video, like, you know, blowing up. And I was like, oh, snap, like this is wild. And so I started kind of posting more of the stuff I had from like, things I was doing in Arizona and I just started to like gain a large following on TikTok and it was just not Mm. like it was never meant to be like I never was meant I never came into it with the intention of doing like food or being this foodie because I do like go to like a lot of restaurants a lot of experiences now but it kind of like catapulted me into that. And I remember after that video blowing up, I was getting messages from restaurants being like, hey, can you like come in and like do a video for us and do what you did with this? And I'm like, oh, okay. It was a free meal at the time. I was like, shoot, why not? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Why not? Like, I was like, this is dope. So that's kind of how it started for me a little bit. And, you know, I just was, I went from being this like very small micro influencer on Instagram to like, blowing up on TikTok and then that finally like trickled to my Instagram with reels when reels started to pop off and so that's how I gained like these uh, big followings on both platforms. Wow. Yeah. Yeah because I know (laughs) when TikTok first came out I don't want to say it was easy to go viral but because of the algorithm as long as you were consistent and Mm -hmm. you knew what kind of hashtags to use you knew what kind of sounds to use and you kind of knew how to play the algorithm if you were willing to kind of put in that work it was easy like i had personal friends are like yeah yeah, i have a couple million views on my video and for me i'm like starstruck from that i'm like how the hell are you doing this and then I would post a thing and see within 12 hours, I have hundreds of views on my video. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And obviously it's different than something like YouTube. Something like YouTube, you have to already have a huge following in order to get those views. Like if you post a video and it's getting thousands of views, that means that you have a true audience versus Mm. something like TikTok. I feel like it's kind of not an artificial audience, but it's like, it's videos that are just given to you it's you can't click like it's not a video to click on and then that's how the views are generated it's absolutely so i don't know it's it's a very interesting type of transition with going from that so at what point were you able to completely leave your nine to five to do this influencer type of career yeah so i fully left my nine to five like after like after last year so the beginning of this year I was technically left but (laughs) I took a leave of absence last Mm. year so I was testing the waters with leaving my job so I took a leave of absence in late 2022 to be like okay like let's see how this works yeah um and you know I still have my health insurance and we'll we'll go at it. We'll see if yeah. this is a possibility. And you know, I was like at the point where if this wasn't gonna work out, I was like, okay, I, I'll go back to my job, no problem. But it ended up being 
very lucrative to the point where I could sustain it and it was it shocked me but I feel like I was one of those people that never was I never wanted to jump the gun so out of full transparency I was already matching my full-time income all of last year and the year before so really? I was already like doubling my income and but I always thought about the fear of like, is this going to work out? Is yeah. this realistic? Is this real? Like, you know, yeah, things are great right now, but how's that going to be in six months? You know, yeah. um, because most of my income is coming from brand deals. You know, um, I don't have like an ebook or course or anything else I'm selling to my audience. It's yeah. just, I make my money off of brand deals. So I was like, okay, I want to see how consistent this could get. And then let's see if we can leave. You know, so that's kind of how it worked for me. So with that partnership with brand deals, is it yeah. something that like, I don't know, when, when I think about that whole being an influencer and having it as a full-time job, for me that yeah. scares the shit out of me in, yeah. the, in the sense oh, of like, yeah. <laughs> you never know what could change for the algorithm. You never know Absolutely. what could change for this. And obviously if you don't have this audience, you don't have this following, mm -hmm. these brands want nothing to do with you anymore. Mm -hmm. Like they, they're partnering with you based on the fact that you have an audience that they yeah. potentially can't reach. That's the whole point of why they're reaching out to you saying, hey, yeah. can you put this in front of all these eyeballs? Mm -hmm. You have X amount of followers and we notice that this is your crowd. This is the crowd that we're trying to reach. So investing in you is better than us trying to invest 10 times that amount in a commercial or absolutely and that that's how that's it's even developing a whole new form of marketing now there's yeah. um, user-generated content yeah. instead of having to pay um, an actor ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars to come on a set for a day and try out this product and put some sort of acting thing on there mm -hmm. now they could pay the average Joe three thousand dollars be like here's this case we want you to make whatever genuine video or yeah. something and then Absolutely, and I've I've gotten those offers too. I remember one I did with Venmo um, last year. They're just like, "Hey, like we want to pay you X amount of money. We just want you to make two TikToks for us, and we mm -hmm. want to post that on our TikTok page." Right. So I didn't even have to like post it on my page or you know whatever. It was like it was specifically right. curated and made for Venmo to post on their page, and I was like, I was just the creator, and that was it. Do you still at all ever have the fear that this isn't a sustainable career? Absolutely. It crosses my mind daily. And I think it probably crosses a lot of creators' minds, you know, because for me, like I, you know, I mean, I, I don't have like a husband or anybody who there's no second income coming right. in. It's <clears throat> solely just me. And that does scare me. And I think that's what kind of maybe scares a lot of creators. Like, at least it keeps me up at night sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, what if this, what if I can't sustain this? I think also for me, I feel like I'm working harder now, like on my own doing this versus yeah. when I was like doing this plus my nine to five. And, you know, there's there's this kind of saying that's like leaving your nine to five to work 24 seven. Yeah. And that's how it feels when you are an entrepreneur, you're a content creator. It's like it doesn't stop. It's yeah. like, you know, answering DMs at midnight or emails or, you know, the negotiation. And it's a lot, you know, and I think people yeah. it, it it's fun. It's amazing. But it there is a lot of pressure because especially if your sole income is from brand deals, your performance is reliant on the views. Yeah. It really is. And, you know, I know people are like, don't worry about the views. It's a vanity metric. And I'm like, I believe that. But also, like, if this is your job, 
you can't fully plummet. You right. can't tank. You can't. I can't just take six months off and call it a day because I don't know how the algorithm's going to react if I don't post for six months. Oh yeah, you it, know, <laughs> it rewards certain behavior for a reason. Exactly. If, if you are posting every single like. I've seen a lot of creators and I've seen a lot of people experiment with the algorithm. It's yeah. like, I'm going to post every single day for the next 14 days yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about the views right now. Yeah. The first three days, absolutely nothing. But mm. then for some reason, the fourth day, it goes berserk. Yeah. And then two days after that, it's still berserk. and like, oh, wow. But then it drops again. So it's just continuously changing and stuff. And I've exactly. seen, especially like on YouTube, some of the YouTubers, they're they are consistently posting, especially when the vlogging thing was coming out. Yep. There was a couple YouTubers that were every single day they were posting, and I can't I imagine how exhausting that I is. Like, I don't know how they do it. But <laughs> they were also getting a lot of fruit from that labor. Yeah. But there's a whole other side of that coin of, like, now I see these people. I'm older. I grew up with them. I watched mm -hmm. them every single day. That was, like, my daily routine is yeah. 9 o'clock. Cool. This person posts. I can watch them. Yeah. And so it became a thing for me. But then they drop off for a month because of how short my attention span is now from all these other apps. For me, I completely forget. And then they yeah. post again. And then I see even in their analytics. I'll be like, okay, well, they were getting a consistent 250,000 views per video within the first week of posting here. Yeah. They stopped posting for a month. Now they're down to 50,000 views within yeah. this time. And it's like, so they lost literally over a quarter of their audience from not working for one month. Obviously with a regular job, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. You can take a month off and your pay still remains the same. Yeah, yeah, you just go back and it's like nothing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> now, yeah, it's hard, you know, it really is. I mean, being a creator is amazing and it's awesome, but I mean, I obviously, wouldn't tell creator tell anyone to just be like quit your job and be yeah. a youtuber like be smart about it make sure like the income you're making is sustainable to like take that leap yeah um and yeah i mean you just have to like continue to work and be consistent period, so with that in this life lifestyle of being a having a career as a content creator yeah I feel like it is well over glamorized. It, it, there's especially when it comes to the young kids, I know. and it pisses me off because they're like all the speed YouTuber and stuff, and they don't realize so all work. of the work and effort and downsides of it. Mm -hmm. Like I've I've seen the amount of YouTubers that they're like, oh, I started in 2015, and now like within the first month, I had a million followers or whatever. But then I'm like, oh, but I was watching those videos. He was uploading every single day. Mm -hmm. He had this going on. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm like, okay, I mean, that sounds awesome. But I couldn't imagine having to come up with a new idea every single day having, yeah. or create something that people would want to watch. I also can't imagine, like, I don't like being on my phone that much. Oh, and so yeah. I guess my biggest question is... What are some of the biggest things that you think are kind of over glamorized in the world of being a content creator that people who don't know the lifestyle endure? Yeah, I would have to say something that I feel that is over glamorized is, for one, the money. I think the money is can be glamorized because you yeah. can make great money as a creator. I'm not right. going to sit up here and lie and say, I'm like, I'm struggling, you know, but I feel like a lot of people think having a following 
equates to money mm. and equates to making millions or being a six figure earner. There's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes to get to that level because I have friends who have large followings, but they don't know how to monetize their platform. Right. Um, so I think the biggest thing is you have to also have a business. You have to have a business sense in a, in a way because you have to know how to leverage the audience you have to almost be enticing to brands right. um, and and to be marketable. You know, um, I think people think, oh, I'll just post some thirst traps, get these millions of followers. And sometimes like that can work. And there's that 1% that, you know, are successful and they're, they're chilling, they're making their money, whatever. Right. But I think for a good 99% of people like that doesn't equate to like being a millionaire or right. having this amazing nice lifestyle you have to also understand that a lot of brands aren't going to put money into someone that they know that they can't market mm. um, you know I get some creators you know who are you know emerging creators who will DM me from time to time they'll be like hey like I want to get into food and I want to get paid to like review food like how do I get started I click on their page and I look at their page and I don't see any like food content at all. Right. And I'm like, oh, you know, I remember seeing one person. She, you know, she was doing like more like bikini style content, like stuff like that, which there's nothing wrong with that. I'm I was just like I had to kind of just be honest with her yeah. to be like, you know, in order to break into that realm and that niche, like in order to have restaurants invite you to try out their menus and do stuff like that, you need to have that food content. Right. That's like me wanting to, I don't really do a lot of like beauty or makeup on my page. You know, I mean, obviously I'm more lifestyle and, you know, adventure and stuff. So maybe right. I could be marketable to some beauty brands, but like, that's like me wanting to ask you know, Sephora or Tarte to do a partnership and they right. look at my page and they'd be like, I don't see makeup, you like, know? Why would like, we choose, why would we choose you? Because, yeah, because yeah. they'd be like, your audience is following you for a specific reason exactly. and like, if we're going to put ad dollars into somebody, they have to be marketable, they have to have that audience. Yeah. I don't currently have that audience. So, I think a lot of creators think they have this following, they can just pick and choose whatever brands, whether that's Fashion Nova, Jim Shark, or whatever, whatever brand they want to work with and think that because they have a million followers that that brand's going to want to work with them. Yeah. But there's also a lot of like marketability that goes behind the scenes with that. Yeah. So I would have to say for sure that. Um, also just the, the grind, like, you know, it's like a lot of work behind the scenes. It's, you know, the late nights, you know, editing and like, like you said, like coming up with consistent ideas, like there's a lot of burnout that, um, goes behind the scenes, like always having to be on, always having to capture the moment, you know, especially, you know, with what I do with like lifestyle and, you know, sharing my life in Arizona, it's like, we're always wanting to like you know, be on my phone, capture right. the moment, you know, share that with my audience. And, you know, it's, I'm always on, yeah. always on. There's no like mental, <laughs> there's no mental break sometimes, you know, it's like how much, like, what can I capture? Like I'm here, let me capture it. Let me do this. Let me post about this. So I think that can be definitely a struggle. And I think Having the thick skin, you know, obviously there's going to be negativity, there's going to be comments, but also knowing that not getting so sucked up into the performance and the views to where it like messes up your mental health or your self-esteem. Because right. I know even for myself, 
at times I've experienced like, you know, times where I'm like, I'm just not doing as well as I was a month ago. And like having that almost like ruin your day, (laughs) you know, like, because you're just like, I need to continue to go higher, perform better, you know, create better content, be better than this person, do better. And, you know, that can kind of be like kind of like a mind fuck. Like, I'm just going to be honest, like it can mess mess with you. (laughs) Oh, it sounds absolutely (laughs) torturous for me. Like I. I don't know if you ever watched the Paris Hilton documentary, but yeah. I, I watched the Paris Hilton documentary, and she's obviously like the OG influencer. Yeah. She's the, she's like the original person that started this whole influencing trend and being yeah. famous on Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But then watching that documentary, I see how much she's on her phone, how sucked into that screen she is. Mm-hmm. And for me, I kind of try to be part of the movement of not being on my phone that much, not being so glued to social media. Mm-hmm. I know I have obviously my own addictions to scrolling through my For You page or scrolling yep. through the Reels page or something. And I do see some of these creators on there. And for me, I'm thinking like, oh man, it must be so nice to be able to wake up whenever you want and be able to follow a cool morning routine, not have to be anywhere at a certain time. And you're able to follow this whole regimen. and do all that but then I'm like <laughs> I wonder if that's that that seems like it's too good to be true to oh, have yeah. something like that and then when I try it I'm like how the hell like do they have robots to do certain stuff for them or how the hell are they consistently like setting up the camera to get this shot because yeah like for me that's awkward as hell I'm like how am I going to set up a shot to brush my teeth or how mm. am I going to set up a shot to record myself doing this I have to go over here mm. set up the shot and then go over here act like I'm doing it and then go pick up the camera again, mm-hmm. make sure that it doesn't get stolen or like the walk away shots or. Yeah, everything's staged. I mean, in all honesty, like I don't really have a large YouTube presence because I mean, I traditionally started off on Instagram and then, you know, migrated to TikTok and, you know, I've dabbled with YouTube here and there, but like. I've just known from a lot of YouTubers, they have a script. So they write down exactly how they're staging each shot. They get that shot. It's like a filming day. Like Mm -hmm. if they're doing a get ready with me type of video, it is staged and scripted to the T on how they're going to go about that entire day. It's not really like an or I'm not going to say it's not organic, but and it could be very well what they do, but it is very strategic on what they're doing and how they're going to set up their camera and how they're going to get this shot and it is a filming day. It's not so much like I'm organically just giving you my day to day. It's like yeah. scripted. Like Part of it is true, you yeah. know, but it is very strategic and staged, like how, how are you going to do that? I mean, like even with like my short form videos and like TikToks and stuff like that, um, you know, yes, it is my content. It is very organic to myself, but there's still a very formula I follow. If I'm going to go to a restaurant, I already know, okay, I, I need the food like this. I need the shot like this. I need this per- I need maybe two people with me so it's realistic that I have like my friends with me to get this right. type of shot and it's very still strategic in a way you know <laughs> it, it really is a, a lot and I don't think some people realize that it is work it's like yeah. okay I, I'm knowing what I'm going in for and this is how we're going to capture it now especially when it comes to things like that when you're out to dinner or out to doing this mm-hmm 
how do you think this career shapes your relationships with that kind of stuff? Because obviously, mm. it's easier to be friends with other creators because they understand, like, okay, before we eat, I have yeah, to set up yeah, the shot. <laughs> uh, before this happens, I need to set up this. Obviously, if you're hanging out with people who aren't content creators, who aren't big on social media and stuff, they're kind of looking at you like, what the fuck is she doing? Like, yeah. why can't I just eat? Like, I'm hungry. Yeah. Why can't I just do this? Or why does this have to be, or why does she have to pull out her phone right now? Mm. Or why is she on her phone 24 mm-hmm. 7 type of stuff? Like, how do how do you think that having to have obligations to brand deals, having mm-hmm. to schedule so many things around, like, hey, I want to go do this, and this would be fun to do with somebody else, but it's a brand deal, so I have mm-hmm. to make sure it looks a certain way. How do you think it so far has shaped your life outside of social media? Oh, that's so hard. I'm trying to find the balance, to be honest. Like when I invite like my sisters or like even a friend who's not an influencer to certain things, like, you know, I get invited to a lot of local restaurants or, you know, I get so many cool opportunities. Um, It's kind of a conversation like, hey, you know the deal, like this is a free meal or, you know, this is like what we're doing and are you good to like come along for it? You know, I know my sisters, like I've been doing this for years now. So my sisters are like chill. They're like, they They know the the, deal. They're like, cool. Like we get to go on this free trip. Like I, I mean, last year I took one of my sisters to Vegas this year. I took her, took the same sister to Houston. Like I had a partnership with like Allegiant air. They flew us out. They put us in a hotel. Like they wanted us to capture, they wanted me to capture my experience, stuff like that. Like they know, I, they know I get these opportunities, so they already know that they're like, okay, like I'm getting this free trip, I'm getting this opportunity, like they're kind of working with me, like yeah, that's my you, plus one, yeah. and like they're they they're used to it. I mean, same with my non-influencer friends. Like if I'm like, hey, you know, do you want to come to this? I got invited, you know. They're like, sure. They already know, like, hey, like, what do you need for me while while we're here? Yeah. Do you need me to take a photo of you? Do you need this? So a lot of them know the know the drill. They know the drill. You know, um, I would say um, dating's hard. Um, I would say, like, you know, I do have like a new relationship right now, and I think getting him on board to like what I do. Yeah, he's also a creator, but he's kind of in this different space where he's not like working with brand deals. He does more fitness stuff, and he does all of that, and he doesn't really like do the influencer like. You know, is he full time content creator as well? Yes, but yeah, his business is online training, online fitness. And with that being said, you know, I've taken on like to like a couple hotel stays, like fun stuff. And like, he's like, why don't you just enjoy the moment? And I'm like, I'm here to work. Like, I got to get this. I need you to help me with this. I need like, (laughs) he's like, oh my gosh, he's getting better at it. But I think even before like him it was really challenging with like relationships because Mm. it was like hey like this is kind of my job like I'm on my phone like you know it it can be a little rocky but you have to find someone who can kind of get it and like they understand they're patient with it but it's tough what was the reaction at first like (laughs) I'm especially curious about maybe possibly friends when you first come up to them like hey I had this opportunity I'd love to bring you along but here's what we have to do did they kind of have like a I mean it sounded cool at first but now I'm kind of questioning your morality I'm kind of questioning what we're doing here like what was their initial reaction before they knew the drill so um one of my good friends like I've known her for years we worked together back in Tucson like I've known her for like 11 plus years 
Um, she actually, we've kind of done a few stuff. She's come with me to like New York Fashion Week like a couple times, but it wasn't heavily influencer stuff. It's like we were just going to go right. have a good time. She came out here to Phoenix during Super Bowl, you know, and obviously that was a wild time for, you know, us out here. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of opportunities, a lot of influencer opportunities, and she was like, holy shit, I'm burnt out, Aisha. Like, she yeah. came home every day, like, exhausted because I needed her to help me film. Like, we were going to event after event, thing after thing. Um, and she's just like, I didn't realize it was like this. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, girl, it's go, 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 go on to the next thing. Like, we got to go here. We have this to do. And so she had a fun time. I mean, she got to go to different events that, you know, she wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. But she did kind of see like the taste of reality of like the go go go-ness and I'm just like she's coming back to to my place and she's like crashing and I'm like I have to edit this video for this um, brand so I'm up till who knows how long 1 2 a.m. after we've gotten back from an event trying to edit a video to send out to a brand that I'm working with for a partnership and so it's like all day all night type of thing and she's do you like, edit everything yourself yeah I edit everything myself I don't have video editors um yeah, so all my video content, all of that is me. <laughs> Why don't you outsource the editing? I've contemplated that. I really have, but I feel like it would take me a while to find the right person who could really see my vision. And then I also thought about, like, if I had someone else do it, like, will it really be me? Like, will mm. I would I lose that disconnect with my audience, you know? And will they be able to, like, really get what my vision is yeah. that I want and put it to life? And I think that's hard, but um, I'm just, I'm never going to say never. I just think right now is a little tough. I mean, if I find the right person, definitely would consider it because I think that would alleviate some time <laughs> yeah. off my plate because I feel like I'm working every day and yeah. trying to like you know meet deadlines with brands and and stuff like that because even when I do these brand partnerships there's deadlines the brand has to review the content they have to approve it there has to go it has to go through so many stages of right. edit like of approval and so even with that like the brand could be like, oh, well, we don't like this video. We want you to redo it. Or we want you to say this instead. You know. Uh, Have you had that happen? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, it's happened several times. What happens at that point? Sometimes there's pushback for me. You know, I think a lot of creators don't talk about this, that, you know, when you work with brands, a lot of times it's still the brand's vision yeah. and some of it is scripted some of it is like we want you to say this and just deal with it if you want the paycheck <laughs> like that's literally kind of how it is yeah um i've also had um you know brands like i'll submit like my video i'll submit my caption they'll review my caption and be like all these edits and be like this is the caption we want you to use basically changed my entire verbiage my all my words and I'm like yeah. okay like where and I and I get it because I understand that brands they have they have different protocols and standards on what how they want their content and their brand to be displayed online and yep. I know we have to follow that as creators but I also feel like some brands get 
like I'm trying to figure out the word, but they just want they they want content creators because they want it, an authentic voice. Yeah, they want that user generated. Yeah, they yeah. want yeah they want a real person. They don't want an actor. But then it's like you work with these some of these brands, and it's just like you might as well have hired me as an actor yeah. if that was the case. Like <laughs> because they change so much, or they have a long list of things where we don't want you to say this, we don't want you to do this, we don't want you to show that, we don't da 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 da, and you're just like. Well, dang. Yeah. <laughs> like. In the instance where you kind of feel like maybe you have to go against your own morality for a project or something, mm-hmm. how do you react in that instance of like a brand? They offer you a lot of money. You mm-hmm. really don't want to say no, yeah. but you're compromising your own values. You're compromising what you stand for. Uh, maybe it's something political. Maybe it's something mm-hmm. in a women empowerment movement or Mm -hmm. just something that like you know your audience expects a certain thing out of you and there's a company that's like hey we'll pay you like three times what your normal rate is Mm -hmm. if you could do this how do you go about do how do you go about that do you take the job or no um i don't take the job i mean when it comes to those types of deals and i think like I, you know, I got a few like different brand deal offers, you know, I mean, obviously at the time I still was a a much smaller creator in like, you know, 2020, you know, all the stuff that was happening during that time. There was a lot of, you know, some political campaigns that came through, you know, whether that was that had to do with the election or, you know, Black Lives Matter or COVID, you know, all the stuff that was going on around that time. (laughs) Yeah. All the all the things. And. I just said no, you know, um, I do have a manager. So like when it comes to different brand deals, you know, there's always a conversation with my manager on like, okay, like how can we meet this brand in the middle? You know, there's, there's, they're wanting this, but that's not what I believe in or that's not what I want. So like, how can we meet in the middle? If we can't, I don't take it. I don't really care about the money. Like I'm not going to compromise my morals over something I don't believe so okay. that's just kind of how it would work for me as far as brands changing different verbiage. I always have a conversation be like, hey, this doesn't sound like me. Can we tweak it a little bit to this? I understand you guys have brand guidelines. You want yeah. me to stay in line from that. And I respect that because I'm an ambassador for that brand at that point, you know, and they right. want the right image out and, you know, and stuff like that. So I respect that, you know, they have that right as a brand, but I don't want it to be too far off from myself to where it sounds like a commercial yeah. and it doesn't sound like it's coming from a real person. Well, your audience is expecting exactly something of you. They, exactly. They're not watching for the brand. They're watching for your personnel. They're watching for you. And exactly. so if it, and I feel like that's how a lot of creators end up losing their audience is yeah. by allowing that kind of money to take over too much. Yeah. And it's like, they take too many of those deals to where the brands are like, so we, we need you to stay this, this, and this. And like, cool, yeah. Oh mm. my gosh, this is more money, more money, more money. Yeah. But then the audience is like, I followed you because you were authentic. I followed mm-hmm. you because I felt like I could relate to you. Yeah. Now, everything about you is changing. Like, yeah. you are a completely different person. You're yeah. saying this, you're doing this. And yeah. Like, that that could easily ruin your reputation within absolutely such a small amount of time. I know you have to be very selective and careful on the brands you choose to partner with and take on and, you know, just make sure you're doing your research on different brands and make sure like they hold the same values you hold because you just never know what could surface 
years later, you could have worked with a brand three years ago and there could be some drama that surfaces yeah. from a, from the brand, you know, and you're like, yeah. I mean, and at that point you can't control it because you're like, I didn't know this, you know, but sometimes you just have to like make sure you do your research. And I know that's hard because we can't control different controversies that happen with brands and you know you could be like I worked with this brand three years ago and everything was great and now they're having this whole I don't know what's going on you know they don't support blah 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 and it like then you know you have a follower or you your followers are like oh well you worked with that brand three years ago yeah do you still support that brand you'd be like I worked with them like three years ago I mean like (laughs) or even like something just surfaced and yeah you you've been working with them and you're like they've been supporting this since day one how could you not know and it's like at that point sometimes it's like i I just didn't know like they weren't i wasn't aware of everything they reached out to me their product seems awesome yeah i did whatever small amount of research i could do in the small amount of time i had i didn't know they were into this like it's not you can't go deep dive like it's a lot you know it's a lot of people don't have the time to go all the way deep into like the interwebs and (laughs) makes me wonder because i know that post malone he was endorsing Bud Light, and I know all yeah. the controversy behind Bud Light just happened, so it makes me mm. wonder about those kind of things, because I know for him, for a long time, he was like, yeah, he, 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 I remember I was watching a video that, it was like a house tour just after like his second album came out, so he yeah. just blew up, became one of the biggest yeah. pop stars in the world, and in his house tour, he has a Bud Light fridge. Like, it's a mini Bud Light fridge, and they literally come in every week to stock it up for him. Oh, okay. Um, he even hired some guy to do beer bongs for him, and he would just... And, like, anytime you see him on stage, he's always holding a cup of Bud Light and stuff. And then, obviously, this year, all that controversy came out with Bud Light and stuff. So it's, like... Interesting. Kind of going back to him, it's, like, this is a brand that... He was the face of Bud Light. If mm-hmm. you looked at Bud Light, if you looked at him, you associate with him with Bud Light. Yeah. And so with those kinds of instances, um, it could be a makeup brand for another artist. Like, mm-hmm. you are the face of this person. Like, now you have to completely almost re-identify yourself as, like, I don't associate with this brand anymore. And yeah, and that's hard because you could have, you know, had a very great relationship and partnership with the marketing team. And, yeah. you know... And, you know, sometimes things like happen like that and that's beyond your control. You were endorsing a brand you believed in that you use. And I mean, you can't control what a brand does five years later, you know. So, I mean, that does put a lot of us in a tough position. But I mean, it's like just trying to do the best you can to like do your research beforehand and then have conversations with the brand if there's something that you're questioning or you're uneasy about like can you get those questions answered and and stuff like that so i i heard you mention that you have a manager yeah i'm kind of curious on how the process was of because i'm I'm sure going from a nine to five working h&m and stuff and now having a manager and this isn't something that's like oh i've had a manager since i was a kid it's like a new thing like what First of all, is this a manager that you personally hired or is this like an agency that was like, you're a social influencer, we manage influencers like yourself, so mm-hmm. we want to bring you on? Yeah, so it was it, it was an agency. So I'm currently transitioning to another agency. So okay. yeah, so I start with my new agency on Monday, but the agency I was working with, I worked with them for two years. And um, with that agency, you know, at the time I was still kind of blowing up and it was a, it was great in the moment because they kind of scaled my brand deals mm. um you know I felt like for what I was doing at the time as a micro influencer 
I think I was doing pretty well. I was charging, I felt like fairly decently, but when my manager was putting out these larger numbers, I was like, oh shit. You're I kind of scared. That yeah, I was like, I didn't, I'm like, I don't think those brands are going to do that for that much. Yeah. <laughs> and some, and some did. And it really opened my eyes to uh, these brand budgets and what they will pay influencers. And it's jaw dropping. It blows my mind. Really? I can't believe it. Yeah. What's been. Like, obviously, you don't have to say the name of the company or anything, yeah. but what's been your craziest brand deal that you've had so far? Um, I would say for craziest brand deal would have to be it was during holiday season. So just tip for creators like that's the most lucrative time, you know, especially if you want to do your own outreach. If you don't have a manager, it's a good time, especially since we're getting into towards the end of summer right. to like start building relationships with brands because these companies have a separate budget for holiday campaigns. Right. So it was for one IG reel, just one video, one minute long video, 17,000. Holy shit. <laughs> 17,000. For what one did, video. What did you have to do for the video? Um, just basically film my experience using this particular editing app with very big name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was 17,000. 17, yeah. Holy shit. That was I... one video. I mean, and there's instances like I had a few larger partnerships during Super Bowl that were around that range as well. Wow. With big brands. Yeah. Now I'm going to take a shot in the dark and assume that's not your normal every day you're getting an offer for 17,000. Yeah. What's a normal, like consistent job for you how often are you working those yeah i would say right now for like the minimal i would have to say for like one post especially if it's a national brand more of like a larger brand not local is different because small businesses here they don't have like these robust budgets to where they're like yeah this mom and pop shop can pay you 10k like it's right. not going to be that way i mean and right. a lot of times when it comes to restaurants locally i'll just do it for trade you know especially if it's a place i like and i want to cover it's like just give me a free plate of food yeah yeah <laughs> like if it's a cool place i'm down to just like stop in and share my experience but i would say on average for national brands for like a post it's like Five to seven thousand. So I, I make easily ten to fifteen k a month on brand deals consistently. Yeah. And do you have people that work for you? Yeah, I have two people. So I have a personal assistant, um, and then I also have a virtual assistant. So I have a VA, and then she kind of my VA kind of helps with like my website, my blog. Um, you know, sometimes she'll post on my behalf if I'm like busy doing stuff like this, you know, especially because like I like to post in the evening. So sometimes I'm doing like I'm at events or food hostings, you know, where I'm like filming. So she'll post on Instagram, TikTok, shorts, um, and she'll kind of handle that. She'll handle the blog um, and then just more of my Pinterest strategy, SEO, and so kind of doing more of that back end stuff. Yeah. Um, and then my personal assistant, she'll sometimes help me with, I still answer a good amount of my DMs, especially like my personal, some requests, and then some general, depending on what they are. Like I'll yeah. go in, I'll hop in, and I'll kind of, you know, look at them and respond to what I need to, but she'll kind of filter out certain things and then she'll be like hey do you want me to respond to this or do you want to handle this and i'll yeah. handle that um so she'll handle that she'll help me sometimes film so she'll go like earlier today we were together filming two places so she came with me 
And what I found, found what was hard is sometimes I'd have my sister or friends help me like film, but like they all kind of work nine to five still. Yeah. So trying to coordinate and schedule like, okay, can you help me at 6 p.m. here? And then, you know, my sister can only help me on Tuesday at five here. It just got like, I couldn't really find a lot of work-life balance because mm. I felt like I was filming every single day versus having someone I could be like, hey, girl, like, I need you today. We're going to go do two to three places and then call it a day. Like, I felt like that help. That's been helping me a lot. So she'll help me with that. And then also just like personal stuff, emails, um, scheduling different like things I need, um, whether that's like hair, nails, whatever, just like the other personal stuff as a per what a personal assistant would do. Yeah. At what point did you see that you needed a, a personal assistant? Because for I, I feel like it would be weird for me to hire a personal assistant yeah. when I'm used to doing everything on my I own. I know it's so hard. I felt like I had to start letting go because I was just getting slammed all the time. So the VA came first and so my virtual assistant came late last year to kind of help help me with like my posting schedule and kind of get me a little bit organized yeah. more on the content realm right because <laughs> i was all over the place and i didn't have any consistency there um personal assistant happened in march which was like it, yeah i just felt like i still was a little all over the place with just organization and she's really good with that and so yeah it just was it's still very new like i went from working a nine to five and like having someone above me managing me to managing people and building a team which is really a weird position to be in yeah at, like just like i'm like i was just this girl working at a retail store folding clothes and now i have a team and i have a man like i have a manager like all these weird things yeah. are happening and i'm like this is weird i feel like that that would be the weirdest transition for me too yeah and especially when it comes to an income standpoint yeah obviously it depends on your upbringing with money and your relationship yeah. with money and for me i'm a very frugal person yeah. i'm very money conscientious and so the the thought of I would, I would still have the thought of, like, I need to do this myself so mm -hmm. I can save every penny I can. And yeah. Unless you are making, like, fifty dollars to $100,000 a month and you're like, I can pay someone easily, like, a couple thousand dollars a month to yeah. do this. Is this – are your assistants full-time or part-time? Oh, they're part-time. So, okay. like, um, I pay my VA, like, a base for the month. Okay. And then I have a list of long tasks, like this all needs to be completed by end of month. And then my personal assistant is just as like as needed. So like there are some weeks when like she really doesn't do much for me. It's like, gotcha. you know, I mean, I probably use her maybe once or twice a week for certain things. And then it's not, you know, then it, and then some weeks I don't. So right. it just really depends. She also has another client. So she works with a large um, fashion influencer out here. So, oh, really? Yeah. So she works with another. So, yeah. So she has two clients, myself and another girl. And yeah. So she just balances both with that. Yeah. I'll be honest. I wasn't sure if I was going to get a response back. I was shooting in the oh. dark. I saw your following. And obviously yeah. my, my following isn't very big. Um, yeah. Like my personal following is... It's okay. I'm not an influencer by any means. I'm an actor, so it oh. does kind of go up in that. But, like, especially because I think I DM'd you from my podcast Instagram. Yeah. And that at that time only had a couple hundred followers. And I'm yeah. like, there's this girl that has 100,000 followers. And <laughs> I'm over here with, like, 200 followers. I'm oh. like, there's no way in hell. I'll shoot my shot, but yeah. there's no way in hell. 
How did that, because, like, did she have to find my DM and be like, hey, do you want to do this? She did, and she asked me, and I was like, I'm down. Like, I love doing stuff like this. So, um, yeah, I've done a couple of podcasts, and um, I was like, I'm down to connect with more people out here and and do this. And, you know, I saw your DM, and I was like, let's do it. Yeah. Honestly, I get nervous with those, though, because even with having a small following because of the type of content that I do, Mm -hmm. the amount of spam messages I get of like, hey, I love your stuff. I'm trying to do this. Like, I get so much. uh, Do you have a problem with that? Yeah, I get weird. I get weird spam, too. Like like, a lot. I get a lot of brand ambassador ones. Like, we love your page. You have the most beautiful page ever. Here's this and you have a promo code mm-hmm. and all this and I'm like okay and like the first time I kind of fell for it and I'm like okay so I was talking to them and they're like well you have we're not going to send you anything but you have a code and stuff and no. I'm like you, you I, nobody knows about your brand you have 300 followers too what makes you think I want to partner with that absolutely and then it just kind of got to knowing of like now I'm I look at the first three words of the thing and I'm like, this is bullshit. This is spam. This is spam. This is spam. This very is spam. generic how they approach yeah. you. And I feel like any reputable brand for the most part will email you. Okay. And majority of reputable brands, I know there's still some brands out there who will try to take advantage of creators, especially smaller ones who don't know what they're doing yet. Yeah. But majority of them, you if you're working with a brand, you should never have to pay for anything, bare minimum. So even if they're sending you clothes, you shouldn't have to pay for those clothes. Right. You shouldn't have to pay for the shipping. That should be free. Um, and then obviously, like, you know, to, a, a level up would be being product plus being paid. Yeah. So yeah, I would just say anything where they're just saying you have an affiliate code or buy this and we'll give you X amount percentage off and then you post about it is it's a scam and, and it's their way to take advantage of smaller creators who are willing to take the bait and be like, oh my gosh, this brand reached out to me, you yeah. know. But anything that you get from a brand, it should be bare minimum, one hundred percent free, one at least minimum product. Yeah. So when it comes to growing your page, yeah. do you have any advice for doing that? Because even for my page, I'm trying to grow the podcast page yeah. as much as I can. It's all authentic stuff. Yeah. There's no like hardcore promotional stuff. Um, and especially to the sense of in order for me to get the guests that I want to get, a lot of mm-hmm. times they only pay attention to you if you have a minimum of ten to 20,000 followers. Mm-hmm. They're not going to listen to a brand or a person that has... 20 followers and be like hey mm-hmm. so this because their time is valuable mm-hmm. they have and if it's like okay well i can go on this podcast and it's kind of like a what's in it for me type of thing so absolutely you go on this thing like well i'll go on it as long as your podcast has a minimum of ten thousand listeners yeah because then i get my own endorsement in it do you have advice for that kind of stuff yeah i mean I hate, I don't want to be cliche because I know most people are going to be like, just be consistent and you'll grow. I mean, consistency, yeah, is key. You know, like I'm not going to say it's not. I think that what grows pages is, you know, are you interesting? You know, and I would tell, I would ask myself this and I always ask other creators, like if you weren't you, would you follow you? Do you think you're interesting enough to be followed? And you need to be very honest with yourself and ask yeah. yourself, like, if you have a page that's all over the place and there's nothing clear, then you're not going to gain an audience. I think that what helped me grow my Instagram and TikTok was 
a lot of people saw I was doing a lot of like Arizona videos and they're mm. like, oh my gosh, I, I saw this one video on the For You page of her. Let me click on her profile. Right. She has 15 other videos like this. I'm going to binge watch them and I'm going to follow because I yeah. know she's going to continuously post more. And I think that's what hooked a lot of people in. So I would just say, have a clear, you know, I'm not going to say, I know some people don't have niches. There's people who do get ready with me. There's like, you know, the girl like Alex Earl who blew up, you know, recently, yeah. who's just herself. But even though she's herself, there's still that very clear story, story with herself and what right. she posts. And, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, she has all these get ready with me's. I'm going to binge watch her other videos. Yeah. So I think there still has to be some type of clear niche, some type of reason for people to follow you. I think there needs to be value in content. You know, I mean, yeah, anyone can blow up off of like a thirst trap. And if you're pretty or you're hot or whatever that whatever the case may be. Yeah. But I also think that the most successful creators that build longevity, they add they bring value to their audience. And that could be whether that's like kind of what I do, like experiences and places and food, or it could be like stuff like what you're doing with this podcast, or it could be fitness and how you can be a better person or you know or even just sharing your life authentically like a lot of people are loving authentic content nowadays and you know just being your true self and not having this forced perfect forced perfect lifestyle I think people are like oh my gosh relatable yeah relatable I can relate to her I'm going through that he's doing this oh my gosh that I'm trying to get into that same space right and I think people value that um I would say that kind of kind of gets, you know, your growth going in that sense. And I think people can see um, you'll see that ROI, you know, with the consistency, yeah. you know, um, but, you know, if you can build or if you can make quality content and kind of have all of that, the consistency, the quality and kind of have a clear purpose of your page and you hit all three of those because you can be successful with one with one of them but if you can hit all three you will be extremely successful as a creator interesting extremely successful and grow fast and i think that's what people realize i think a lot of people are just throwing videos out like how many videos can i throw out each week just because they're looking for that viral the virality it's not about going viral it's what what are you doing after you go viral because anyone can get a viral video but like you have a viral video then i go on your page and i see nothing else that relates to that yeah you're not going to get a follow you're a wonder you're a one-hit wonder i'm not going to follow why they have all this rather random stuff on their page like it's not enough of a reason yeah. for me to follow you but i liked the video i shared it it was funny you know but i think that's also something people are missing and then just building a community and getting a sense of of emotion out of people whether that's happy sad relatability mm-hmm. you know funny you hit those emotions that too can right. can spark that growth so so yeah i would say that for creators consistency yeah whatever but i think you need to hit the rest you need to have something to be consistent with yes Which, it's funny too that you mentioned that whole one hit wonder thing because i i noticed that relating to real world application mm-hmm. especially in the music industry the mm-hmm. amount of people that i saw that they would make a song they would release on tiktok mm-hmm. the first couple yeah they blew the hell up they yeah. got a record deal the record company was like oh we saw you get like 10 million people listening to this mm-hmm. in 24 hours like maybe we should pay attention to you we'll give you a shot we'll be experimental but then 
after that one thing, you never hear from them again. They, yeah. But they still release stuff. It's just now everyone's like, cool, I like that one song, but yeah, I like that one song. <laughs> exactly, because maybe it just was that viral hit yeah. and there was nothing more to it. Like, it was just like, oh, like, it just became popular because Charlie did a freaking dance with it. And exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's just what it was. Like, maybe and... it's not even viral because of their talent. Maybe it's viral because of other creators that use that sound. Exactly. And it's like, and that gives almost artificial confidence to the artist mm-hmm. thinking that, like, oh, I'm the, I'm the shit. I'm the yeah. newest, biggest thing. And, exactly. like, my life is now complete. I made one thing. They gave me a record deal, but then the record label drops them in three months because they're like, you're not performing anything anymore. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, yeah. what happened? Yeah, they're just too <laughs> one-dimensional. It was just, like you said, maybe it wasn't really real talent. Yeah. I mean, or maybe they are talented, but they, they're not they're not trying to push the boundaries. They're not trying to step out of the box. They're right. not creating valuable, like, mu- like I'm not going to say valuable music, but, like, good music that could be right. played on the radio or played, you know, like... Something you know. that's different because I, I noticed that especially on apps like TikTok or Instagram, there's a lot of the same music that goes viral, yeah. but it doesn't have longevity to it because it is so similar to everything else. Mm-hmm. It has a good beat and it's catchy and stuff. And that one song will be like, oh, yeah, I like that song. But it's not something you can bump in the club. It's not something you can blast in the car and sing along to. It's not no. something that has a nostalgic feeling that... No you want to add to a playlist or it's not like a gym hit where it's like oh when i listen to this it pumps me up i can imagine myself benching 300 pounds when i'm listening to this or it doesn't have that feel it has that like i can make a little maybe dance like a 10 second dance on tiktok or something Mm -hmm. and then it kind of creates that artificial career path of like oh i'm a music artist now because i got a huge thing which it's not to disrespect anybody that's in the music industry on TikTok. Yeah. There are so many amazingly talented artists and stuff, and I wish that some of them did have that. Mm-hmm. And it, and I know that a lot of them do get discouraged because they don't have that immediate fame or the immediate attention stuff. Mm-hmm. But the gradual fame, I feel like, might be even better for them because Absolutely. it's a more authentic audience for that person. And Yeah, they're, there. they're more there for you and what you're creating versus just that that viral hit because yeah. I mean I've noticed this with a lot of creators who maybe blew up in that 2020 era like yeah. they kind of went viral for whatever they went viral for and then they kind of fell off because yeah. they didn't have you know nothing else going you know it's just like right, yeah right. there just wasn't any more to their content I mean obviously there was that lucky batch like charlie addison and some of the other bigger ones that kind of really took off and got successful you know but i think majority of the other ones kind of you know kind of had that slow fall off that even gives an entire like tedious false career in my opinion for that kind of stuff like when i when addison blew up and then Mm -hmm. netflix decided to give her her own movie obviously all this is highly experimental for companies Mm -hmm. They don't know social media, so they're like, oh, I mean, she has a good following. Maybe this, like, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, she's not an actor. She's no. an influencer, and there's a huge difference. And that's one of, like, obviously it's a bubble that's kind of popping. But, like, as someone who actually is an actor, whose training is an actor, yeah. who has been on sets and stuff, it is so much different than people think. It's not, like... Absolutely. Obviously, yes, it's making small TikToks is one form of like filmmaking in a way, but it's completely different when you have a call time, when you have Mm -hmm. lines that you have to memorize Mm -hmm. or 
a certain emotion that you have to portray in something. It's not just like, oh, here's this, and then here's a 10 second thing. It's especially if you land something like a feature film, it's not like a one day shoot. It's okay, sometimes it's months that yeah. you're on set, and it's not for five hours that you have to be at one place, it's 12 hours that you have yeah. to be shooting straight, and then it's you have to portray this emotion, you have to do this, you have to do all these things that you might be not comfortable with and yeah. tapping into all these different things, which is one of the reasons why like when Addison's movie came out, it bombed. Yeah, I heard about hardcore. that. Hardcore. <laughs> and I watched it as an actor and Tanner Buchanan's performance was amazing, but it's because he's not an influencer, he's actually an actor. Mm-hmm. I looked at Addison's and yes, I'm sure she got talents. I, I, I'm sure she is talented and yeah. I'm, I'm sure she had a coach, but in her sense, She's not a trained, conditioned actor. So when they're like, okay, we need you to do this, she's like, okay, you want me to act scared? <gasps> oh, yeah. my God, oh, my God. And it's like we're looking at her like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, like, Why are you uh, doing that? Or like when she's supposed to portray this emotion, she's like, oh, my God. Oh Just my doing God. all this kind of, kind of stuff. You're like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah. You look like you're on drugs. Oh, like, my God. It's, it's because, though, and I'm glad that the – entertainment industry is finally learning about the fact of like okay they might be good in that one little sense but doesn't mean that they can take on this whole entire career path of Mm -hmm. doing this like when there are some influencers that want to become music artists I know like um, Dixie D'Amelio she wanted to be a music artist and it's like well have you trained your voice have you learned how to read music not obviously not everyone knows how to read music but do you know how to play an instrument yeah do you know how to write music? Do you know how to write lyrics? Do you know how to do all the things that it takes to actually chase the career of a musician? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like a lot of companies push too much on a person like, oh, you'll be fine. You're a girl. You're hot. Yeah. You're, you're if you following. have a following, they'll buy whatever you're saying. Yeah. They'll buy your record. They'll go see the movie. Exactly. And they're just banking on that. But that's a very temporary success. Yeah. Absolutely. She doesn't have a voice like Christina Aguilera that's going to make it to where, like, I want to listen to everything. Taylor Swift is famous not because she did one little thing, but because of the fact that she has a voice. She's talented with her music. She knows how to write music. Yeah. She dedicates so much time to one craft instead of trying to dabble in, okay, we're going to do makeup, fashion. We're going to do music. We're going to do this, this, Mm -hmm. and this. You're going to be a master of all of it in three months. You ready? Cool. (laughs) That's literally how it is. Yeah. Yeah, because they're just banking on their... You know, their internet fame. Yeah. They're just like taking advantage of that. And I mean, it's wild. I feel like the industry, the influencer industry is going to like shift in the next few years. I don't know what that will exactly be, but I feel like now with all these new different apps, I mean, even now there's threads and all these things. I feel like anyone can build a following like like so like what really is the definition of an of an influencer at this point? Because it looks like anybody can build a following at this point. Like I feel like it was a little bit different five to ten years ago where it was like, oh, like we knew who was like kind of like an influencer. Now everybody has a following. So like what what is going to separate the ones who have this as a career versus the ones who just have a following. So yeah, that's just something that like I've thought a lot about. (laughs) Well, and there's a lot of education that needs to, I feel like go into the filtering of filtering out fake influencers versus real ones because you can buy followers now. Yeah. If you want, if I wanted to have a million followers by tomorrow, 
and I had the money, I could easily go and buy a million followers. And views. None of it's going to be real. Yeah. And that's why you do have to go through a page and look at their engagement. Mm-hmm. doesn't make sense, the fact that they have 500,000 followers, but they get two comments and they get five likes per photo. Yeah. Obviously, there's something fishy going on there. Or they have X amount here and then nothing else anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's like, are they really viral? Like when I see a TikToker and mm-hmm. they have... 10 million followers on there but then I see their Instagram and they have 2,000 followers on there and I'm like something's <laughs> not adding up here yeah, if you so you wild. should have some sort of transition are you just not promoting your Instagram high enough yeah. or is it just thirsty people like what is giving you those followers is it the the bikini videos that you post mm-hmm. and so it's like you want to be like you said a fitness influencer but all you're posting is this yeah there might be a lot of people doing that and but is it going to make sense for brands to be like well why why would we partner up with you when you there's no market for us there yeah you have a lot of people we we respect you have a lot of people but one doesn't look like you have any engagement and that's what we want Mm -hmm. we don't care about the fact that you have a million followers we care about the fact of who's actually going to see our products exactly and i think that's i think that's a lot of there's a lot of truth to that and i think people need to realize like again following isn't everything and i've even you know have had conversations with like smaller influencers to be like you know there's brands that will partner with influencers that have 10k versus an influencer that has a million yeah especially if your target audience is what the brand wants well especially if you have that 10k and there's 8,000 people that like comment and share your stuff yeah and and they and it's on niche you know and it's like okay like we know there's a market right Right. here you know um you know i've been partnering a lot with duncan and you know i've been partnering with them for the last like six to seven months and Hmm. you know one of the reasons why they partner with me is because i share food and like they know that like my audience will endorse and like what i'm sharing about duncan um versus you know someone again like who's maybe in like the beauty space like like, uh, why would (laughs) why would you promote donuts on your yeah they could have five million followers and Everyone on there is like, I don't eat junk food, though. It yeah. makes my skin break out. Yeah, so I'm not yeah gonna... like, I want to know about your skincare routine. I don't care if you're eating a, a dunk, like a Dunkin' Donut and you're drinking an iced coffee. Exactly, like... yeah. It's like, <laughs> eh, I can't really do any of that stuff. Like, yeah. If you have any stuff from uh, Kate, let me know. But yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll be back at another point when you're going back to when what I followed you for in the first place. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Anyway... I can't believe how long we've already talked. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I appreciate you so much, though, for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's very insightful. Like, obviously, like, maybe you don't have a million plus followers, but I mean, the fact that you have been able to make this your career, you've been able to chase this as a full time thing now. For me, that's still highly impressive. And it's still awesome the fact of, like, you're willing to still talk to smaller brands smaller people that you do stay true to that and you do seem very authentic you seem very true to what you talk about so I appreciate that and you know because I started you know from that point and you know I you know for me it, it was never overnight and I think a lot of times people see like being an influencer or content creator as this overnight success like you're oh like everything's like perfect yeah. and like this is you just blew up and now you're able to quit your job and have this like yeah. better lifestyle and i'm like 
it took me 10 years to get to this point. This wasn't like something that happened, you know, six months ago and now I'm here. Like this was a lot of time, effort and work. And it was coming home from work and editing or going to an event and networking and meeting other creators. And it was sacrificing my weekends um, where I could have just been chilling, watching TV, doing whatever, but I was out shooting content and I was posting and I was editing and I kind of sacrificed a lot to get to this point and I prioritized this over other things yeah. and that's kind of how I got there, but it wasn't just a one hit wonder viral video and now I'm, I'm in some content house and everything's yeah. dandy. It was like Which years. is extremely refreshing <laughs> to like my ears because when I hear about those one hit wonder things, yeah. it's always like, well, why can't this happen? to me but then when I hear a story like yours I'm like okay well it's because she put the reps in it's because she put the work in it wasn't just like you know what I'm just gonna post a random video and then boom I'm an instant millionaire yeah like I'm gonna hope for the best no it wasn't like that and I think that you know it just shows if you keep going and you keep posting you put your content out there like it will be seen and you'll find that right audience and it may not happen overnight and you know there's times where i still get frustrated and i'm like well i want to be at this level yeah but like to get to 100k it took me a while and it took this gradual build up and like yeah. that's just going to be the same way to the next level right and i think you know as long as you keep going and you kind of you know put in the work and you know do what you need to do you can get there and you know just stay true to you and and yeah yeah that's that's what awesome. I gotta say. That is awesome. <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate that. Yes. Absolutely. Um, what is the biggest piece of advice that you would tell someone that wants to go into your career first? And then the other big question, um, when you're at your lowest, this is kind of like a newer mm. thing. What do you wish someone would have told you or what would you tell yourself at your lowest Mm -hmm. to help yourself with knowing what you know now? Yeah. Um, I would say biggest piece of advice is, oh my gosh, I feel like we kind of touched on a lot of that, but um, I would say create to create, have fun with it. I think a lot of people overthink and they stress out about what's my niche going to be like, how am I going to do this? I want it to be perfect. And I think growth comes in the imperfection. I think that you need to put your content out there. I talk to a lot of, you know, creators or people who want to get going and they're just like, well, I'm just scared to post. And I'm like, you just have to post. You have to put your content out there. You can't, there's going to be no perfect moment. Your first few videos aren't going to be the greatest. You know, like, it's just not going to be, if you're waiting for that perfect video or that perfect moment, it's, you'll never get to where you want to be. So I would just say just post. And as you continue to post, you'll kind of find your groove. You'll be able to see like, okay, these type of videos are doing well and they're got and they're gaining interest from my audience. Maybe right. I should go in this direction a little bit more or this style of content is underperforming. Maybe I won't do that for right now. And I'll focus on this other style of content that is getting maybe 2000 views. Even if it's getting 2000 views and you used to get five views, go with the 2000 views. And as long as you love the, the content you're posting and that style of content you're posting, go with that continue to kind of tweak it and work through it and 
I guarantee you those videos will start to even gain more traction and blow up. But right. you just got to start. You can't hesitate. You can't overthink what you're posting. You just got to post. You really do. Um, what I would tell my self at my lowest oh my gosh there's been so many low points I mean there was a point before I moved out here I was like I'm gonna quit this like I don't want to do this anymore this is crazy <laughs> <laughs> um and I'm glad I didn't you know um I would just say you know even at my lowest point and being sometimes frustrated with the algorithm is like don't get sucked in the metrics. Don't be a slave to the algorithm. Like, mm. and I think a lot of creators become a slave to the algorithm. Post what you love and post what you're like happy about and like what what continues to drive you as a creator. Mm. Yes, it's a numbers game. I'm not gonna sit up here and lie and say it's not. Right. But also, you don't want to be such a slave to the algorithm that you become unhappy with what you're putting out there because it's going to show. It's going to show in your content. You're going to feel kind of low, upset, depressed, uninspired. Um, so I would just say don't get too sucked in to where it consumes you because right. it does consume a lot of creators. I have friends who who maybe don't post as much on social media anymore because they kind of gave up a little bit but they got so depressed that they're just like it just consumed them yeah like it was just about views and it would nothing else matter besides that and don't let it consume you still have fun with it and yeah don't be a slave to the algorithm and just keep going because you know as long as you're being authentic to you, those things are going to happen. It's just going to take some work. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to, mm -hmm. you know, take you maybe not going out as much on the weekends to like party or do things so you can edit and pump out videos on YouTube. Like yeah. you're going to have to put in a little bit of the work because people like Mr. Beast and all these other bigger creators, they were putting in the work. Oh. Like I have seen his story and I'm like, holy shit. Like I've, I've heard some of the, <laughs> some of the stories of yeah. the work that he puts in yeah. and it's scary to me. Yeah. It, it's terrifying the way he's yeah. like, yeah, I'll work for like 12 hours straight, yeah. six days a week. Yeah. And I'll take a break when I want to, but I'm working around the clock. I'm thinking, eating, breathing, living YouTube. And I'm yeah. like, that's what you have to do. Yeah. You have to think, breathe, eat this whatever yeah. youtube instagram tiktok whatever platform you're trying to focus on and and just do that i also believe in repurposing your content so if you're posting on tiktok take that video repurpose it on instagram because mm -hmm. you don't maybe you're not getting traction on tiktok but maybe that video will take off on instagram yeah. maybe that video will take off on shorts repurpose your content everywhere well and everywhere it, it views add up you might only get 200 views here but the 500 views and then thousand yeah. views here and then Boom, 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 boom. It's boom, like, boom. it's not always going to be the same people watching it. Exactly. It can be 500 different people than what the 200 over here saw. Exactly. And it, that's still a brand new pair of eyes. That's still one person that could say, hey, you should check this out or mm -hmm. sharing to a person. Or it could be like a celebrity watches it on here, but they don't watch it on here. Exactly. They see it and they do it. And if you don't post it on here, that's why if I have shorts, I post on every single platform yeah. I can. Even Just if it only it gets there. 10 views on this one, you yeah. don't know what 
one of those eyeballs can do. Yeah, and I've seen it in some of my videos. I'll have a video take off on Reels and then maybe it doesn't do so well on TikTok, but I'm glad I posted it on Reels. Right. You know, so I think like you just have to repurpose your content and just put it all out there on every platform and don't like think it's like, it's not additional work repurposing, right. you know, so you don't have to feel like you need to create something new for reels. Just take what you had on TikTok and just put it on that other platform. Awesome. Yes. Is there anything, any shout outs you want to do before we get to your signature? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to say a shout out to my sisters who helped me in the beginning. My all like my my two sisters and my brother. Cause he helped me too along the way. He, he was more like frustrated with me in the beginning. Um, but I just remember being at my grandparents' house in Tucson and they would like help me with my photos and mm. now I'm able to like repay them in so many more ways. So yeah. I love my family for putting up with me because I know my family thought I was crazy doing this and (laughs) they still you know think I'm crazy I remember my uh, dad over Christmas was like what the fuck like you are quitting your job yes Especially for a career that he probably doesn't understand. Yeah, doesn't understand. He's still yeah. trying to understand. But when I told him how much I was making, he was like, oh, shit. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah, how do I get into this? <laughs> okay, I know. So, um, yeah, but shout out to my family who's, like, supported me and, you know, my siblings who believed in my vision. <laughs> That's awesome. I hope, do you remember your signature that you're supposed to do? No, can you okay, remind yeah. me? <laughs> so I'll have you look into that camera. Hopefully it's still going. Hopefully the phone didn't die. Yeah. But um, so, hi, my name is Blank, and I've just been unmasked. And I've unmasked? I've just been unmasked. I've just been un- unmasked. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hi, my name is Aisha Beasley, and I've just been unmasked. Heck yeah. Yay! Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank